it's all kind of married together, right? In order to meet some of these goals, you need to have the fourth industrial revolution uh, to usher it all in. So these are massive. No, I was going to say, yeah, and you don't even see people in mainstream media, including, you know, anyone who watches Fox, you know, news, favorite, you know, Tucker Carlson, even ask the question of which, you know, we'll answer in future episodes, but who the hell is Klaus Schwab and why the hell do the most powerful people in the world from heads of state, you know, bureaucrats, national security um, chiefs, uh, CEOs, union bosses, trade association leaders, what the hell do these people all flock together to Davos to listen to a guy whose father has ties to the Nazis? Like, what is it about this man? Nobody even asked that question. Like, who is this man and why are these people meeting with him? Right. And and I don't even think it's about the man because the man is just the front man. Well, the man and or the organization. The man and or the organization or his book. Like, why are, no one asked the question is, why are the most powerful people in the world, the most influential people in the world, the wealthiest people in the world, flocking to Davos to sit and listen to this man and his band of merry men and what is the world economic forum and why do they wield so much power and what the hell is this fourth industrial revolution and who the hell gives klaus schwab this unelected official the ability to sit on this world stage and say we're moving forward into the fourth industrial revolution and then people heads of state around the world line up behind him and usher it forward i mean that i'm have you ever heard tucker carlson ask that question no, no one's ever, no one's ever going to ask these questions be, because they're they're not allowed to bring focus to it. That that's the point. Like everyone that goes there to meet knows they kind of have to go there to meet. They have to get their marching orders, their blueprint books, whatever is going on. Um, we again, anyone outside of all, I, I personally don't know anyone outside of alternative media that that even knows what the fourth industrial revolution is. Um, and that's the way they want it. They certainly didn't know about Agenda 21. So if you don't have any mainstream or cable news or radio covering these things to, to um, bring it to the surface for you know, citizens of the world to, to know about it, uh, they're not going to know about it. So no, they're not, they're not going to highlight any of this. They, they don't want that stuff. If, if everybody had a bullet pointed list that went into um, town halls and rallies where their local state politicians were and started asking the, these um, globalist agenda questions, they're not going to answer you or they're, or they're not going to be able to answer you. But what I'm saying is we know in 1992 Nancy Pelosi addressed it Congress with Agenda 21. She brought that forward, every bipartisan, everyone was on board with it in 1992. So you have a Congress knowing about these things. Now in 2015, we have a Congress knowing about these things. So when all, all of our, our Congressmen and women act stupid, that nobody asked them the question for them to look stupid, if that makes sense. So if everything is hush, these issues do not get addressed. But meanwhile, you have tons of citizens saying, 
well, why is this happening and why is that happening? And I don't understand. And I don't, well, it's happening because the wheels were put in motion a long time ago and none of us voted for this, but who we did vote for were politicians that never discussed any of this. These were never any topics in any debate, local, state, national, none of this has ever been a part of the American people or the global citizens. You have to dig this stuff up. But let's say you are a journalist and you get into an arena. We already know that the majority of these questions are already screened. They're not organic. So any, anyone that would want to ask a question, it's not going to happen. No one is going to, to go and do a gotcha on these politicians that are very well aware that we have been a major part of globalism for a long time and it has been considered conspiracy theory. It has been laughed at and mocked. I, I love for years and years and years, I play that Barney Miller clip from a 1980s sitcom where, um, you know, one of the actors is arrested and they make him sound like a total crazy person because he's talking about the trilateral commission, oh, et cetera, yes. et cetera. <clears throat> and then you have the laugh track. And, and it's funny because now that's what they need to do. They need to mock anything like that. That is true. And you should be looking at, because if everybody's laughing, they go, oh, well, that's crazy. So if everybody thinks it's crazy, it must be crazy. You know, you, you don't want to listen to that guy. Or you don't want to listen to that show because they're, they're crazy. When in reality, Many of these things are operating in the background at full force. Now, I like to separate, okay? So you have the, the 2030 agenda, which we know the fourth industrial revolution is ushering that way. And then we say, wait a second, we have schemedemic in 2020. And that came out of many simulations done by the private sector donors, Bill Gates, John Hopkins, philanthropy. Um, so you had all of that going on. So, gee, are we crazy to think that they kicked off a simulation during flu season to accelerate the goals, the 17 goals, moving us towards the fourth industrial revolution? And so it, it all makes sense to me in my mind. Um, you know, because I have this diagram of how I'm looking at it all and how they structure things. Um, and, and it, and it's all, none of this is a magic bullet. It's all open sourced information. You no, can and, watch I mean, Obama thing, on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing where you're a hundred percent correct about this is I mentioned to legal man when I filled in on, uh, the Thomas Paine podcast None of this is conspiracy theory because a conspiracy is more than two people meeting in secret in order to right. develop a plan to achieve not a common <laughs> goal and outcome. There's nothing secret. I mean, right. there's, there's it's, not, secret. it's not only not a conspiracy theory, it's not even a conspiracy, especially the last few years where literally like – Okay, you can turn on Yuval Harari and watch him tell these guys that humans have no spirit, they have no soul, free will is dead, and we are hackable animals, and here's the code to hack them, and this is what we're going to do. Like, 
I, I keep pointing out uh, to our audience, I'm showing over the next four episodes of this Elon Musk series I've done, a lot of it is analyzing what he said on Joe Rogan's show in 2018 and 2020. He literally sits there and tells you he's going to drill a hole in your skull and put a brain chip in your head and connect you up to the cloud. And yet there's people who say, well, who's the bad guy? Where's the boogeyman? Well, is Elon Musk not enough of a boogeyman for you? I mean, what else do we need here? Right. I, I, I mean, you're you're sitting there thinking the man is a hero, and he's telling you what he's doing. These guys published this. I pulled up all the websites in a matter of, you know, 15 minutes of you telling me what to pull up. And it's all there with one Google search from Agenda 21 to 2030 to the Sustainable Bullet Points, Event 201. Right here is their website, centerforhealthsecurity.org, 201. It's got all the details on Event 201, which was the simulation a few months before COVID kicked off. Right. And before that, there was um, Claydex and there was the Spars pandemic and there was the Rockefeller document on lockstep. Um, There was Crimson Contagion in 2000. 19 from January to August, that was a that was the United States a full on. Um, they used a lot of uh, quite a few states por- were participants in like an eight month exercise on a kind of virus that you can look that up. Crimson contagion. Um, so anyway. And there was the other uh, paper that I told you to pull up, which is by something called uh, Sustainable Brands, and they list all of the sustainable development goals, and next to it, they put the NGOs that are assisting to make this these goals reality. So, oh, again, here. let's that's look at it. Paper. So we've got uh, end poverty in all its forms everywhere and again this is kind of the point i I keep bringing up to the audience as well i do you really believe that these wealthy you know technocratic overlords want to end poverty across the world do you really think they wake up every day and want to end poverty (laughs) so you have uh you know acumen changing the way the world tackles poverty you have saved the children plan international world vision brock Care, Heifer, Gain, Kickstart, One Acre Fund, Stop Hunger Now, ICRC. Do you know how many people would be uh, unemployed if they ended hunger tomorrow? All the people that work for these groups. <laughs> so I mean, this goes on and on and exactly. on. There's, exactly. I can't even read all these because I'm flipping through this for the video audience on pain.tv right now, which if you're interested, you could sign up at pain.tv slash gold. But Guys, there's like, oh my God, in this document, there's got to be uh, probably past 100 logos already. Oh, Sierra right. Club, and, and, that's and the, one really... of the people that tried to recruit me years ago to talk about eugenics, so. Right, right. I, I mean, really blow your mind if you go and look up um, non-governmental organizations. I'm oh, really guess who's, guess who's on here? World you... Economic Forum. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um if you look at um, NGOs and you look at how many categories of different NGOs there are, it's massive. It's massive. So, yes, they, they recruit the NGOs and um, the private sector to, you know, help usher in what they're trying to achieve. Again, 
not an American issue. This is a global issue. Um, and we are very much tied to this global agenda. And in fact, it was Glenn Beck that said many, many, many years ago, I'm going back well over a decade, where he talked about the top-down, bottom-up philosophy of, you know, in, in order to, you, you have to bring the other countries up and bring America down because they want this level playing field. And this is what yeah. the open borders globally is all about as well. So we, we've seen it happen in Europe, and it's happening here. They're, they're making no attempt to, to slow um, the bleed that we have. Yeah. Um, you, you know, remember when DACA was our biggest um, issue? Yeah. I mean, we, bit, we wish we were back in the DACA days after what we've witnessed. Um, yeah. You know, since, since well, Biden I, took I, office, the, the floodgates are open. And let me just point this out to the audience because I pulled this up on the screen. It's just you need to understand this, right? So when she's talking about, you know, there's the, the government, the public sector, then there's the private sector, and then the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations. But here's the best part about it, folks. So you have the government, which is the public sector. Then you have the private sector that we know receives money from the government through grants and government, government. contracts. <laughs> and then you have the NGOs, and I'll just read NGOs. you from... Investopedia, a non-governmental organization or NGO is a non-profit citizen-based group that functions independently of government. NGOs are organized on local, national, and international levels to serve economic, social welfare, and civic purposes. Despite their independence from the government, many NGOs receive significant funding from the government. From the government. (laughs) It's so, the truth. As Legal Man points out, um, as incompetent or as we are led to believe the government is, it is the strongest entity on the planet. They control everything. So these Correct. NGOs are independent from the government. But guess what? To get government grants, you have to agree to do certain things that the government tells you you right. have to do in order to get the grants. When people took the PPP, uh, PPE loans during the COVID for their small businesses, they had to follow certain guidelines that the government set for them to get that money. So that's how the government then controls your restaurant, controls your little small business general store, whatever it is, because once you take money from them, you then have to comply or you will be penalized. Right. And that's exactly what we're looking at. It's all government, all government across the board. Yeah. And I just want to point out. Everyone in Congress knows. Oh, yeah, everyone in Congress knows, and tying this into the stuff that I've been discussing, and I'll put this up on the screen uh, you know, eventually in an episode, I just found information doing research on InQtel, the CIA's hedge fund, the other day. Back in 2013, somebody published this fantastic list of like 125, 150 companies. Open knowledge, uh, open, source, uh, open source intelligence yes. That the CIA, through InQtel, at that time in 2013, after being in existence since 1999, had invested in or started over 125 Silicon Valley tech companies. So, I mean, the CIA Mm -hmm. owns tech companies. Some of these companies are public. InQtel started Palantir, which is Peter Thiel's company, and they are a publicly traded company. So... 
And again, because this is public information, that's not black budget money. Therefore, your representatives in Congress and the Senate had to vote on this. It was their responsibility right. to look at the spending bills, to look at the budgets. They'll tell you they're too big. They don't know what's in them. Well, that's not my problem, pal. Didn't we elect you to go through this stuff? Isn't this why you all have multi-million dollar budgets for your staffers and for your office so that you can review these things? So they're sitting there and funding all of this Agenda 21, Agenda 30 shit. And at the same time, they're sitting there pumping all this money into the CIA that hands money to NQTEL to buy up Silicon Valley and to start these tech companies right. building the prison planet around us. I mean, who is to blame right. for this if it's not the people that we elect to be our representatives? Well, that's the point. The people that we elect, uh, these are never topics of conversation. Um, they're not part of any of their agendas. You know, so when people go to, you know, meet these people or read their bios on why should I vote for you, uh, none of these are a platform. And the media isn't asking them about these things, so the people don't know to ask about these things. Uh, the media, to me, is nothing more than a live version of the National Enquirer that you see in the supermarket checkout. They cover superficial crap. Um, hamster wheel stuff that, that keeps us arguing with our neighbors or our family. <clears throat> it's never anything of substance. You're never, it's all opinion news. We know that, but you're never going to get anything of substance to where people in the community say, Hey, what, what, what are you going to put in my neighborhood? What is this all about? What does this tie back to? No, if you don't know what you don't know, how are you supposed to address this at a town hall? You can't. And again, no. it's not brand new. It's, it's not where we could say, oh my gosh, we're learning all this for the first time over the past two and a half years. No, no. And we've gone through every president, Republican and Democrat. We've gone through Nixon and HW and, and uh, Reagan and Clinton and, W and Obama and, and, you know, well, and under Trump, we had, <laughs> we had major shutdown. So we've had it. It's by, it's definitely bipartisan. Um, but the it's the people, the mass majority of the people that are unaware of what's going on. You need to challenge anybody. If you're, if you're listening to podcasts and alternative media, and there are many people that have been talking about this for years and years and years. And you go into, you know, a PTA meeting or your local coffee shop and, and just bring it up to folks that may not be exposed to any of that. I can guarantee they have no clue what you're talking about. And don't forget, this all ties in uh, to the ESG. Okay, so when we're doing sustainable goals on energy and you're in the fourth industrial era, well, that's the ESGs that the corporate modeling is using, which is going to hurt a lot of people. Now we have people investing in companies, um, ESG rating scores, et cetera, et cetera. You know, part of me says, uh, this is not going to end well, because a lot of people are getting pissed off with um certain goals that are transforming everything so quickly because it's so obvious. Uh, let's say the woke, 
people are getting disgusted with the woke corporations. So I don't know how that, I can't predict how that's going to end up. But um, we know they're doing it in education. We know they're doing it in energy. They know, we know they want to take our cars away. Um, so it's everywhere and it's accelerating. It, it, but it could not have <clears throat> accelerated this fast without Scheme Demic 2020. No, that was the major push. I mean, that was, I mean, that's why it was appropriately labeled, uh, you know, by the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. Again, something they did not hide. But as the Great Reset, if if you, I mean, you sent me some stuff, uh, and I, I haven't had a chance to look into it. I'm going to do it on the plane from someone who wrote about that we're sort of still in this third industrial era. We're not necessarily in the fourth or moving into the fourth. Now, obviously, World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab frames it as the fourth industrial revolution, and the revolution then would be moving into the fourth industrial era. He even talks uh, about the fifth in his book, so he's already uh, talking about what comes after that, which is just, you know, total nutty, the worst sci-fi dystopian movie you've ever seen, basically, is where where mm-hmm. these guys plan on bringing us. But right now I have World Economic Forum's website up with the, the bright spots in a complicated ESG framework. You know, I sometimes I wonder if, because we know, I, I mean, this is, a, it's a careful balance. Uh, and I think because we're nuanced and we're not, uh, at this point to me, sort of the conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, left, right, Lines are so blurred. I think after the Trump presidency, nobody really knows where they stand anymore. Trump ran. He kind of fused the Tea Party fiscal conservatives with sort of the blue-collar workers that were left behind by the Democrats over the years as they became more woke and focused on uh, social issues. But now I think it's all blurred, and no one knows where they stand. And so it's very hard to organize right now. But as you said, if you go to a local meeting and you try to bring this up to somebody— I, I got so frustrated with those things because you go there, uh, you know, we have a mutual acquaintance who's been trying to get involved with their local Republican town committee and they've been getting so frustrated because those people are there and they're like, you know, we got to focus on getting Bill elected because Bill's going to get yeah. rid of that regulation where we don't have to have the mailboxes within a foot and a half from the driveway. And my mailbox, and this is literally what people are talking about. It has nothing to do with this big picture of these sustainable goals and this technocracy being shoved down our throats. Right. No, you're 100% right. And most people, even if they're intrigued a little bit, as soon as you start talking about it, they're glazed over because it is too much. It is too much for them. And, And even though it's not, because you could just look at a synopsis of each thing very quickly, give yourself quick education. Okay, this happened here. This is what they wanted to achieve there. Okay, this, this, and you can just look at it in a timeline. You don't have to digest every morsel uh, from the 1970s. You know, you just look at the um, Global 2000 report. That's like a 900 page report. Nobody's going to read that. But you could read the synopsis, what it was about, and he was saying by 2000, what would happen? Can't remember clearly, but I think that came out at the end of the Carter. It was commissioned, but wasn't finalized to the end. 
of his administration. And then you had Reagan. And I don't think they um, took the recommendations seriously. Or yeah, fast let me see. Enough, I actually you know? found all the volumes of this, uh, of the global. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. So it's actually like scanned. Um, yeah, there's three volumes. If anybody's interested, just look up the Global 2000 Report to the President on Wikipedia, and then right on that front page, there are three links to the three volumes of the report uh, in PDF. I mean, not that you necessarily want to go through it, but uh, it is right. available if you want. Well, you, you could always use your control find feature and look for certain words that you're interested in to see what they were saying. Um, but nevertheless, I, I can't remember what the Reagan administration um, did with it. But again, fast forward to 1992. And Maria, just, just so you know, was, it's, uh, it's over 1,300 pages. And okay, apparently okay. it's scanned, so you can't actually search it, <laughs> which makes it really great. Oh, forget it. Just yeah. forget it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like so, old yeah, micro you could find the synopsis. Yeah, you could find an old synopsis or something um, on it, you know, what the findings were, let's say that. But in 1992, everything was very well planned out. And many people did cover Agenda 21 for many years. You, you know, look out for this. This is what they're going to do. But most people were sorry. You know, many people were sorry. And remember, podcasts weren't big back then. No, you, you no. Know, and here you go. Had... An Agenda 21, if people want that, that's available. It's a uh, sustainabledevelopment.un.org and um you just you could just look up agenda 21 it comes up now that's a right. 351 page document that is searchable but again as maria right. explained in the beginning you know from there we've sort of we moved to 2030 then you have the agenda 2030 mixed with now uh some of the uh goals coming out of world economic forum so to go back and research would really be just for you i think to look at the current stuff because certain goals they already achieved and then what they do is they take all the things they didn't achieve they decide you know just like your own personal to-do list for the weekend you decide well i really didn't need to do that we didn't really need that one this one worked this one didn't work i accomplished this okay let's make a new list and so what yeah. they do is I, then they I, go ahead and they make a new list look up um social progress index and I think this is something that they use, and I think I read it was Deloitte crunch numbers. And I think this is how they tell the progress that they're making on, on certain goals. Yeah, so the Social Pro Progress Index measures the extent to which countries provide for the social and environmental needs of their citizens. 54 Indicators in the areas of basic human needs, foundations of well-being, and opportunity to progress show the relative performance of nations. The index is published mm -hmm. by the nonprofit Social Progress Imperative and is based on the writings of a bunch of people I don't care about. 
The SPI measures the well-being <laughs> of a society by observing social and environmental outcomes directly rather than the economic factors. And I think the good thing is based on all of these metrics they have, they've done a good job because I feel like they've been taking care of me, don't you? Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely, 100%. They, government loves us. Yeah, I see the agenda 21, 20, 30 development going on all around the county I live in. And I just mm-hmm. know they're really, really watching out for the environment and overpopulation because my town has, the county has basically tripled in population in the last nine years. So they're really looking out on that overpopulation. Well, no, you're right because I know where you live and what are they doing? They are recreating urban sprawl in the country. Everywhere. You remember I mean you remember when I first moved here last year and I was I was calling yeah. you going, Maria, you gotta see this and I would send you videos <laughs> of I know. what they're what they're doing up here, guys, and this is going on all within um, you know, seventy five, a hundred miles of Washington DC. And as Washington DC becomes more and more uh unaffordable, people are moving outward. You know, and outward and outward. And now it's expanded to the point where I have friends of mine that commute an hour and a half one way to go work in Washington, D.C. and then drive back out to our area. And our area is becoming so expensive now that they are actually moving another half hour out. So there are people literally doing a four-hour round trip to go to work. And these are people that work in government or work for government contractors, and they're not even making enough. And these people make a lot of money aren't even making enough to be able to afford to live closer to Washington, D.C. And then what they're doing here is they're buying 100, 200, 500-acre farms and then literally coming in and in about one year, they will put up like 600 what would be old-school inner-city row homes, basically row homes. Um, There'll be one street that could be a mile. 